Hello, welcome in to episode three of Perg's Picks. Nice little golf podcast. We got going nice success from last week during the uh, the Sony Open. We had our nice little cash out with Russell Henley. It was very, very tough decision to cash out, but obviously I'm pretty thankful I made that call. I did it around the 14th hole, got about 22 to 1 on my money, which wasn't too shabby, especially since he he blew it, which was just, I mean, I can't believe what I was watching. I mean, I was trying to watch the football games and just going back and forth, but just watching Hideki go on that run, I mean, that's where my attention wound up going on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, it was a actually a really good tournament. I mean, Henley... No business losing that tournament. I mean, you just you can't shoot one over on the uh, on the back nine at that course, especially. I mean, didn't put up one birdie. Um, I, you, I was skeptical. I mean, he was up five through nine, but we know he has a history of of you know choking these away. He did it at the Wyndham last year too, and he wound up losing in that playoff to I think it was Kisner. But regardless, um, yeah, he got on hole ten. And everyone has, like, you know, maximum 90 yards in. And I just flipped the channel to the thing. I'm going back and forth the Chiefs game and whatever. And I flipped the channel. It's like, yeah, Henley's way back. He's, like, 130 uh, to the second channel. I'm like, did this guy hit, like, a 7-iron off the tee or something? And right then and there, in the back of my head, I'm like, this guy is just going to try and hope Hideki doesn't go on a run and just try and escape it a win. He got that big lead, and that's what he did. He sat on it, and the next thing you know, Hideki got within two after 11, and he was tight after that. He didn't really hit any good shots. After that, I mean, he had a few nice-ish irons, but, I mean, he didn't anything close. Um, then he misses that putt on 18, which was deadly. And Hideki played great, don't get me wrong. Uh, that shot he hit on uh, on 18. Uh, not the original. The drive was sick, but the, the playoff hole, I mean, 280 into the sun. He looks back at his caddy like, where the hell is the ball? And next thing you know, it's five feet from the pin or two feet, whatever the hell it was. It was crazy. Hanley bogeys on the playoff. It was just a disaster. I mean, I'm happy I cashed out. Hopefully, people who whoever else had Henley decided to do the same thing. I mean, I could have cashed out for way more after nine, but I mean, I'll take the 22 to one. I did it uh, on hole 14. So basically, Henley had to get up and down for, and I was stalking it from probably holes 11 to 14, trying to just decide and play hole by hole. And Henley was on 14. I think he was up two at the time, and um, he missed the green. Or he missed the fairway, and then he missed the green. He was up short, needed another up and down. Uh, barely got away with one on 13. Made a nice putt, which is where I was about to cash out. But uh, regardless, he gets to 14. Hideki threw one to like seven feet. So right there, I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm done. I'm taking my my 22 to 1 on the guy. He did enough for me. I had the Palmer T20, which was a pretty easy hit, to be honest. I mean, he played great uh, last week. But no, yeah, he put that close. I'm like, up oh, here we go. Hideki's going to romp him. Let me take... My money. And Hideki missed a putt. Henley got up and down. So I was pissed. I was like, shit, I should have stuck with Henley. But then he wound up losing. And I hate rooting against people, but when you cash out a golf bet, and this is the first chance I ever had a chance to do that because it was the first time being in New York that I've been able to bet legally. So I've never really had an option to cash out winners uh, until uh, until Sunday. But I watched him. Hideki misses that short one for birdie, and Henley got up and down. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Why did I cash out? But then he wound up, you know, doing his thing, missed that putt on 18 to to win it right there from like eight or nine feet. And then, you know, the playoff hole. The rest is history. It was an interesting week, though. Definitely a better tournament that I was ready for. I wasn't too thrilled about it. And I, to be honest, I got to say the same thing about this one. I'm never a big fan of the tournaments where they have these three courses. And this is the this is really the main one that does this. Um, I think last year it was two courses. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, they're going back to... Uh, 
to three this year. But nonetheless, we're going to bet it because we're degenerate golf gamblers, and, and that's what we're going to do. So uh, let's look at the um, the board right now. Uh, let me just pull this up. I just want to pull up the DraftKings pricing so we can run through that right after I go through the board. I don't know how much I'm going to put down this week in terms of bets. Uh, DraftKings is just – I love DraftKings, so that will definitely have a have some action, no doubt about it, for this week regardless. But, no, for um for betting, I'm really torn here. Rom always scares me. And it's not just Rom. I mean, it's Cantley too, this week. I mean, I mean Rom's a machine. And he and it makes me weary to really lay, you know, you know, four, five, six guys really go down this board here. I'm not, like, I'm not too thrilled with the middle of the board because I just, uh, I don't know. Rom, Rom and Cantley are, are scary because they can just boat race this whole thing. But, again, these big players at these smaller events where it's not really that major, I usually... I'm usually kind of licking my chops because they bring all these odds down on on some of these guys that maybe maybe Patrick if if John Rom was in the field Patrick Reed is probably twenty five to one but on Fanduel he's thirty five to one, like stuff like that. But regardless, they scare me especially with how Rom's playing and Cantley's been playing good for a long time now, uh, many many months in a row. Uh, Scotty missed a cut here last year, whatever. But um yeah, let's start talking about these odds here. So let's go inside of thirty to one. There's eight guys here. Rom's at six, Canley's at seven fifty, Scheffler's at nineteen, then you have Im at twenty one, Finau and Connors are twenty four, and Gooch and Answer are twenty nine. Um Abraham Answer, yeah, what a what a douche to be honest. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to say about him, man. Horrible putting. Didn't hit the ball too great. It wasn't terrible, but he didn't hit the ball great, at least from what I was Watching, I don't really know what his numbers were last week, all the, all the, the stats, whatever. All I know is he didn't play good, and he missed a cut at a course that he should have played really well at. Um, does that mean that people are pissed and aren't going to play him a lot on DraftKings? Maybe. Maybe that makes some leverage. We'll see what those ownership numbers look like come tomorrow when they're more baked in. And, um, and I guess more valuable even Thursday morning since it's going to be starting at like 10 Eastern since it's in California. But um, no, answer at 29 is still interesting. I don't know if I can get there. I mean... He was he was longer odds last week at a much weaker field, but I mean he has a great course history here, so I, I get it if if you want to go to answer a twenty nine, Taylor Gooch yeah, in your dreams that's just not happening. I'll I'll never bet Taylor Gooch at twenty nine and one. I've been pretty steadfast with that these first couple weeks with some of these lower odds that he's been giving. Even at the Century, even though it was a shorter field, it's still a stacked field. And then last week he was like thirty two to one again, but he's twenty nine here, no interest. Uh, if I were to go somewhere here on these odds boards, and I know it's plus seven fifty, and I hate betting, but if I'm picking one guy, man, um, it's Cantley, and I haven't heard a lot of buzz about him, but he, I mean, he, he had that great Sunday around last year. He's playing really well. He does really good on easy courses in general. Uh, it, it's a really interesting number, and I mean, I excuse me, it's not an interesting number. You're really eating. You're really biting the bullet if you take Patrick Cantley here because it's a big number, and it's going to be a sizable bet if you want to, you know, make. Some real money with these golf bets is what I'm trying to do. So Canley's interesting. Uh, he's probably my one and done pick, to be honest. I don't think he'll be too hot, too popular. We'll see. I just like scroll through Twitter and see what people say because I feel like if there's a lot of people saying the same thing, a lot of people that watch these videos, they have their own accounts, they look through stuff, they're just going to blindly take these guys, which will naturally bring up their one and done ownership, their DraftKings ownership, etc., etc. But... Yeah, Cantley's interesting right out of the gate. Scotty, I know he missed a cut here last year. To be honest, that does make me not want to play him. I'm not going to be playing any Scotty Scheffler in terms of betting him. Maybe I'll give him DraftKings looks. We'll see. We'll see what happens when we start looking at the pricing. I haven't looked at it yet. Uh, 
and I like doing it that way. Um, M. Finau, Connors, all three of these, and M. falls into that answer category where he really screwed a lot of people last week. Um, but now he's going to a course where he should play well. I mean, it's it's really. I mean, twenty one to one's a little short. I I have trouble betting him at twenty one when Finau's twenty four. Granted, Finau ain't this big winner, but I mean, he's definitely a better player than Sun Jim. And I like Sun Jim, but still, Tony Finau's a better player than him. Um, but no, him and Finau definitely piqued my interest. I don't know if I'm going to go in any of these. Cantley is the most likely for me, but I still might not even bet Cantley. I might really start looking down the board here. Um, but no, I really don't have much to say about this. I mean, one thing that there, that um, that uh, strikes me with this board is, I mean, I bet Connors an answer last week. Um, Connors played really well, so Connors interesting. I hate biting 24 to 1. I mean, I, I did buy 27 to 1. Last week, so I mean, I I guess twenty four really ain't that much of a difference, but uh, I don't know. Answer, I can't bet to win. Answer could be a top ten. Same with Connors. I don't know if I'm gonna get there for winners. Uh, Cantlay, Im, and Fina are probably the three that I'd look at if you're looking to bet a guy to win this tournament. Fina's another one that's had some had some success here as well and plays pretty good on easy courses too. So those are probably the three in the in the upper range of those top eight guys. Now thirty, we'll do thirty to. Yeah, fuck it. 30 to 65, I guess it is. Um, or 30 to 70, I guess. Okay. So you got Wolf at 31, Power at 32, Reed at 34, Henley 36, Siwoo 38, Rose 46, Zalatoris, Tringali also 46, uh, Ricky's 50, Bezadernut's 55, Norin is 65, and the list is 70. Okay. Um, this is interesting because on paper, I like Seamus Power. He's playing great golf and for a pretty long stretch right now. So uh, Seamus Power is interesting. Just not at 32 to 1. Are you kidding? I can't bet Seamus Power 32 to 1. That just seems absurd. Last week, I bet him at 46 and I was feeling uneasy about it. Now I'm going to bet him at 32 to 1. Ugh, man. Let's look at my model here. Um... Where is this bastard? Seamus Powell. He's 27th in his last 50 rounds. Granted, still, these models to me really don't mean anything right now because you just got to gotta get into the season. You got to see these guys are playing. Like them having a, a shooting a 74 in October or 62 in September doesn't mean shit. I mean, a lot changes in six months. It's, it, it's really meaningless. Let me lower this to the last 24 rounds. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Henley's still number one. Damn. Let me see. If I look here, he probably moves up. No, he doesn't. He goes down the board. He goes to 36. I mean, apparently, I mean, I have proximity from 150 to 75. That sounds like where a lot of the uh, the approaches are going to come from, or at least a good portion of them. Strokes gain, ball striking, because you got to go low. You got to hit the ball well, period. Strokes gain approach. Got to hit your fairways. And those are pretty much the four. And I think at these lower courses, honestly, where you got to go low, you need guys that convert. So... I was thinking about throwing opportunities game there, but I'm not sure. I feel like that's it's tough to predict who's gonna you know convert their birdies. I mean, like anyone can convert their birdies, I guess in in theory. But whatever, that's that's up for debate. But regardless, they have Seamus Power at at 36 in this thing. So I don't know. I don't really put any stock into that. But still, it's it 32 to one seems short for Seamus Power. I'm very interested in Patrick Reed. He won here before. I think it was 2014. And he's 34 to 1, and he played good at the century. So, I mean, he has a round under his belt. He's pissed. He always is pissed, it seems like. So, uh, why can't he come here and win? 
So Reed is definitely an option for winning. I wouldn't bet him top ten. To, I mean, I, I just don't like that. Reed, I I like outright because if he's if he's in it, he's he's gonna get it done. I, I'm not in for top fives because he can he can miss the cut easily. But Reed is definitely interesting. Power is probably a no. Henley, I mean, listen, I think it's tough to get up. You know, three days later after blowing a five shot lead with you know eight holes to play, but um, yeah, thirty six is a, a pretty fair number in this field, I think. I mean, he closed last week at 29. I luckily got the 41 on Monday morning. Um, yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one, just saying. Because usually I'm not the one for, the, for the, the closing line value, as they say, in like maybe a football game. But that applies to golf, too, I guess, when you get 12 points on the house. But regardless, I do kind of like him at 36. Um, less the 36 and more with the top 10s and the top 5s and the top 20s are going to give you because of those odds. Um, to win, I don't know. I really don't know. I think that this is a this is more like your own like psychological reading of a player, but it just seems like it's tough. You blow a lead like that. it's like when you have like a hard overtime loss in a Monday night football game. Then you got to get up as a West Coast team going East Coast to play a one o'clock Sunday game. It's just a bad spot. And in golf, I I, I hate that, but you're trying to nitpick with these guys. So if I'm picking through this range, it's just tough to see Henley in another final group or, you know, within two shots of the lead on Sunday after that bone-crushing loss. Um, he's also blown so many of these where maybe he's just like, you know, screw this. I'm pissed. I'm just going to go out there, let it loose, and let it rip. And he goes out and maybe feels no pressure and just, and just plays good golf. But Henley for now is a no. See who won here last year. Uh, so that's... um. That's always interesting in terms of you know we can play the course well, which is obviously important. And a lot of – I mean, I see people kind of like uh, course history. I think course history might be one of the most important. If you're familiar with the course – now, this is for my own golf game. Like, if I play at a course that I've played, you know, a, a, a hundred times or something, you know, I know the course. Granted, I might shoot like shit, but you're just more – you're more comfortable in a course that you play well at. I mean, it, it's just – it's just – um. Um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull up something on my computer. I'm, I'm losing track of what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It's more... How should I say this? It's more... Uh, you're just more familiar with the course. And that always helps. So someone like Siwoo who can get wicked hot with the irons and if he gets his putter going, he can go really low and you're going to have to go, you know, 20, 22, 25 under to win here. Um, he can win. I don't like taking guys to go back to back usually. I mean, I know the tournaments are a year apart, but... It's a different, you're showing up to determine you're the past champ. I mean, you're quote-unquote the hunted. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird spot for him. Uh, I know they had some lower numbers on him in terms of like 50 to 1, 60 to 1 at, uh, on some of these books. But I'm staring at a 38, and that, that for me is just a no-go. If he wins, great. But for me, I'm not going to be on 38 to 1. Okay, Rose is 46, Zalatoris is 46. Tringalia is 46. None of these guys have played in the first two events of the season in the PGA Tour. So, yeah, I'm inclined to avoid all three of them. But to me, Rose and Zalatoris are still values. Uh, Rose, to me, I know he had a bad, bad, a really pretty much a bad run for, I don't know, I feel like it's over a year right now, at least. Like, really not playing good golf. But 46 in a field like this, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Maybe. I'm more intrigued with Zalatoris. Uh, he's a better player at this point right now. Rose is definitely the bigger name, but he's the better player. I wish this fucking son of a 
bitch got a round on them because the number's huge. They had 65s so there. I'm not sure what DraftKings Sportsbook is posting, but I'm looking at a 46 on FanDuel. Uh, I was perusing this morning. I think it was 60 or 55. I know it was as high as 65 at some points. But, um, yeah, 46 to 1 just seems, it still seems like a nice value in this field. So that that's interesting. Um, still probably a no right now. I'm really not digging these middle ranges, to be honest. Just at my look so far from yesterday and today. But we'll move on. Tringali, I mean, he should fit this course. I mean, hit it in a fairway and hit the green. I mean, listen, any, I should say anyone can win here. I mean, is it three courses that you you really should be able to destroy? The stadium used to play a little bit more difficult, but in recent years, guys have gone there and really, and really mopped the place up. The Nicholas and the La Quinta. I mean, guys. I mean, that's probably where the first round leaders coming, for what it's worth. But yeah, those are those are the. Um, I mean, guys should really come here and just really destroy these courses. So I mean, Tringali, he can go low. I've you know we've seen him in these in these birdie fest really compete. So. He's interesting. 46 seems a little steep, but, I mean, he's kind of played up to it. At least last year he did. He had, a, he had a, I think, his best year of his career. He was, he was pretty decent last year. Okay, let's move on to these guys in the 50s. There's two here that are interesting to me. Uh, Bezayden out at 55, and Ricky's at 50. Um, so, yeah, I like Christian Bezayden. I'm biased. I've always liked Bezayden out. Um, I bet him in a Eurotour event on a live bet. And I woke up and he won. So ever since then, he's been he's been one of one of my favorite players. I like his game. Uh, he gives me a lot of those um, Cam Smith vibes. Obviously, locking the distances. Cam Smith is now hitting the ball like friggin' John Rahm. As he was consistently outdriving John Rahm. By the way, at the century, consistently that whole last round, he was hitting second, which was just insane to me. But he was. Um, but no, Bezayden, he, he struggles with the driver, so you need him to keep it in the fairway. But it, it's a course, man, where you don't have to hit a ton of driver, especially the stadium course. The Pete Dye course, it's it's more a challenge on your eyes. I feel like when you have courses like that, that really that really challenge your perception of the reality that you're facing of the course. So when you're out there and you're and, and the course has these weird uh, undulations and looks from the tee box where it looks tighter than it is, etc., etc., stuff like that. I feel like these more savvy players, and I, I, I envision Bezayden and how does one of those players can really play well here. And I mean, it's going to be a putting contest, and we know the guy can putt. So he can putt, he can hit his wedges, and it's going to be a lot of that. A lot of, a lot of eight to nine iron and pitching wedges and gap wedges and all that type of stuff. So I, I do like Bezayden out here. Uh, we'll see if they can get it done. He does have a round under his belt, I believe. I think he played last week. He didn't play great, but, I mean, he was he competed. Uh, so, yeah, Bezadenhout is probably my first click. I haven't put any bets in yet. He's looking at 55. I'd like to see what they have on DraftKings, but right now he's 55. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him. Ricky is interesting. I mean, Ricky had a couple of pop-ups in the swing season. Just, just I don't have that, you know, locked in as like, oh, that's definitely what happened. But I, I recall Ricky having a few nice rounds here and there. So he he's starting to, to play a little bit better. He's 50 to 1. He's better than a lot of the guys that are ahead of him. Maybe not playing as good at golf, but I mean like I mean if I needed one round to to, to save my life and it was Ricky Fowler versus Siwoo Kim, I'd probably take Ricky Fowler. Barring that he didn't know that it was for my life because then he'd probably choke. But regardless, um I think 50's still a value. I don't know if I'll bet it. Probably not, but I like Ricky. I like to see him play well, so maybe I'm a little biased there too. But Bezayden Hout is definitely a pick for me. Norin, who ironically enough has been—I mean—in these in these easy courses, he's played well recently. The swing season was 
a tragedy for Norn. I like Alex Norn. I just like how he's always at the range. He's a grinder. He really loves the game. He loves to work, and I just love those gritty players. So Norn's always a guy I'm kind of a sucker for, but not at 65-1 to with the way he's playing. Luke List, I mean, no. I mean, List, the guys that can't putt, like, there's one thing where there's this whole this whole movement with the stats where, like, it's ball striking and so on. And I, and I agree with it largely in terms of betting golf, in terms of it's much easier to put the guy that's hitting the ball well than a guy that gets up there and makes a bunch of putts. These are pros. They can all make putts any given week. I get that. But when you suck at putting and you look like you're putting with a blindfold on, it's tough for me to think that you're going to go out there and you're going to shoot 25 under. Like, because if you're going to ball strike the shit out of the ball, it doesn't matter if you only make four of your birdie putts out of, you know, 14. Like, it just doesn't matter. So I just think there's too many guys that can get that hot flat stick where I'm not betting someone like Luke List. Glover is 75. I mean, I saw some big numbers on him, and I, I guess Fandle adjusted that quickly. Um, Glover's interesting. He played really well last week. Um, I think he came in third or fourth. Maybe Shane, I think Seamus Power passed him to get the T3. But no, Glover's interesting. I think he was 18 under last week. Probably won't bet him. Ortiz, another guy who hasn't played yet. Uh, oh, we're out of the uh, the uh, 30 to 70. All right, so you know what? List and Glover, whatever. Then we have Ortiz, Hadwin, Day, Vegas, Thompson, all out, also at 75. Woodland and Knox are 80. Harmon's 85. Hal, Streelman, Streelman, Gim, Kirk are at 90. Okay, that's the little 70 to 90 range. Uh, Ortiz, Hadwin, and Day haven't played yet this season. Jason Day at 75. I mean, he's he's been here before, I, I guess I can say. Um, I, I don't know. I, I am not a big Jason Day guy. I'm just not. Uh, he's he's really struggling, and I, and I doubt he can put four good rounds together, and I'm not willing to pay that at 75 to 150. Maybe. Not 75. Uh, Michael Thompson, for me, is interesting. I, 75 seems a little short. Um, but yeah, he played really well last week. I didn't act on my friggin' conviction. I touted him last week as a potential good play for DraftKings, potential top 10, and I didn't do any of it. I welched out and I didn't, I didn't make a play on Michael Thompson. So watching that guy with his nice grizzly beard go out there and dominate was a little bit hard to take, but what are you going to do? Now he's here. He's 75 to one. It's an interesting spot. I mean, he played good last week. He really shouldn't have much trouble bringing it over here. It's another course. Hit the fairway. Hit your irons and wedges. Make a bunch of putts. So, Thompson's interesting. Maybe a top 10. I don't know about winning the tournament. Now we go to these 80s. Uh, Woodland and Knox. Both of them are interesting for different reasons. Woodland, because it seems like he's healthy. At eight, 80 to 1 means you're probably going to get a close or a little more than 8 to 1 in the top 10, which I like in this field. Um, and it's one of those courses, I mean, I, yeah, Bonners can win here, obviously, but it's a course where you can club down, and that's one thing that Woodland theoretically should always excel at, a course where you can put the driver in the bag, hit it 290, get it out there with a three wood, and just start flicking wedges in there, and it's not a great putter, but we've seen him get hot, he reminds me of like a Hideki type putter, where he's on average, below average, but when he hits his peak, he can really, really go up, will he win? Probably not. But I think it's a worthwhile look, and you could probably find better than eighty to one on DraftKings or Caesars or wherever you you bet. But because these odds honestly do feel a lot lower than what I was looking at on the other two uh, accounts I have. So whatever, that's interesting. Russell Knox played great last week too. Um, he's a he's interesting. Uh, that's what I'll say about Russell Knox. I mean, he's 
interesting this week. Uh, he's third in my model. He's sixth in approach in the last 24 rounds, fifth in fairways gain, 11th in proximity, fifth in ball striking. And Knox is a pretty good putter. I mean, he's a 80 to 1 on Russell Knox. Uh, now that I really think about it, that, that might be a, a bet. Uh, Russell Knox at 80 to 1. I would, I think him, Bizayden, how right now are probably the two that I'm looking at for outright so far. And this guy on deck, I'm a sucker for him because I think he's another gritty, one of those gritty type of players. Uh, Brian Harmon, he won't have to hit a lot of driver. He really struggled off the tee. Every time I looked, he was in the rough last week. So I imagine his off the tee numbers from last week were not very good. But this is the course where he's not going to have to hit a ton of driver. It's a lot of, like, these guys that can just hit their wedges and make putts. I mean, it, they can do it here, man. It's all it takes. And you're getting him at 85 to 1. He's a much more proven player than someone like Michael Thompson or Jonathan Vegas or Luke List or Lucas Glover. I mean, he competed. He competes in majors. That's why I like him. Like I see, you see his name up there. He's gritty, and I, I'm gonna go back to Harmon uh, at 85 to one. That's what I'm doing. So Harmon, Knox, and Bizet. Now look at my first three picks. Uh, we'll move on from him because people probably don't totally agree with the Harmon stuff. But I like Brian Harmon, so I'm gonna roll with him. Then you have Hal. He was more of a, a, a horses for courses last week. He just plays really well at the Sony. No interest. Streelman. This is somewhere theoretically he should play pretty well, but. Hasn't played yet this year. Same with Gim. Kirk played last week. He I'm not even sure how Christian Kirk finished last week. Christian Kirk. What did you do, Christian Kirk? Last week. He's 47th in his model. Let's see. Kirk last week. What did he do? 27th. All right. 3.7 strokes gain total. 3.2 off the T. 2.3. Oh, T to green 3.2. Off the T, 2.3. Lost six strokes on approach. First time he's done that in four tournaments. Okay, oh, that's interesting. He had a gain a half. He gained a half a stroke putting, one and a half around the green. Um, okay, Kirk's interesting. That was his first round that he gained in strokes, though, in three events, though. Uh, the Zozo, he lost 2.1 total. Mayakoba, minus 1.8. And the RSM, he lost 2.1. Granted, those were in October and November. Regardless, playing better than he was two months ago, clearly. So he's interesting here. Maybe he's a first-round leader bet or a top 10. I mean, he, he's relatively consistent. At least last year, he had a nice streak. You know, in February to May or April, he went 16, 8, 48, 25, 6, 7. Like, he's able to get, you know, he's, he's had runs. So maybe this is the start of something on these easier tracks here. And uh, what did he do last year on this swing? Last year, he came in 16th at the Amex, 2nd at the Sony. All right, so he has he has played well here. He gained seven point eight strokes total last year. Lost a little off the tee. You got to think that correct because most of the time Kirk is pretty solid off the tee. It looks like. Um, yeah, I, I Chris Kirk at ninety to one is interesting too. I'm going to be looking more down the board here than the mid ranges. I think because this tournament has a history of these long shots winning. You know, now they only get to see a couple of these courses once. They get the stadium course twice. I mean, like, you don't give a guy like John Rahm four cracks at, at, at the stadium. Like, you're bouncing around. You're learning stuff. This, I'm just trying to think of a reason why some of these long shots win. Because on any given round, you know, Brendan Todd can beat John Rahm at the Nicholas for one round. But if you're asking to do it for four, probably not. Now you're bouncing from course to course to course. You know, that probably gives more room for one of these guys to just have a couple of nice rounds at these courses that these studs only get to see once instead of four times. So that's my own little theory. Whatever. Uh, Kurt's interesting. These 101 guys. Let's go through some of these long shots here. Cameron Champ, no thank you. Taylor Moore, no thank you. Hayden Buckley, no thank you. Adam Svensson, no thank you. 
Patrick Rogers, nada. Hickok, no. Brendan Todd, I like 120 to 1. Uh, he didn't finish great last week. Let me see what his numbers looked like from last week. I'm very slow at this uh, this fantasy national thing. It really isn't my forte. Uh, he's 51st in the mile. He's really not striking the ball well. But uh, we'll uh, let me look and see what we got here for um for his numbers. Um, let's see. He oh he played horrible. Lost five strokes tee to green. Uh. 3.9 on off the tee, lost 3.2 approach, he gained 5 putting. Okay, never mind. We're not going to play Brendan Todd. He's got to get his ball striking in order right now. He's not hitting the ball well. And the RSM, he had similar numbers too. So we're not, we're not going to roll with Brandon Todd. Um, down this board here, Wanto Varner. He, I mean, he should play well here, but I'm not, I'm not there with him yet. Uh, Chez Reeve, uh, he withdrew last week. He's playing this week. He's 120 to 1, and he's second in my model, which is interesting. Granted, as I've already said, he um, these numbers are still from, you know, November, October, whatever. But it's, of course, ideally he should play well. I mean, he talk about a guy who hits fairways. He's number one in fairways gained here. And streaky putter, and he hits his wedges well. He's a guy that, I mean, ideally has the fit to play well here, and he's 120 to 1. So I'd probably log Reeve in, too. Kind of want to write some of these guys down, actually. So, Reeve, Bez, Knox, and Harm. That's really my profile. I'm not really looking for bombers, although they can definitely win here. But I'm looking for guys that can just hit. I know Bezena's not a fairway finder, but guys that can just get it on, get to their wedges, and make a bunch of putts. And while they may not be consistent putters, although Bezena is, they're streaky putters. So, you can get them hot. And they can win this whole thing. So, I really like those four out of the gate. Um, you keep going down this board. Denny McCarthy, no. Mickelson, not a chance. Uh, let's see. Davis Riley played well last week. Aaron Rye played horrible last week in terms of his finish. But uh, he struck the ball pretty well last week, which is really all that matters. And now it's a similar course to where they played in terms of what you need to do to win here. Uh, yeah, he lost putting in around the green, but he gained a half a stroke tee to green, 0.3 off the tee and 1.6 on approach. Uh, let's see, two events in November, he really gained a lot of strokes, so I don't know, maybe he can go back to that form here. Aaron Rice, interesting, and he's 160 to 1 here. That's a very interesting number, I can definitely get behind that. Then you have Dylan Will, Adam Long, Dylan Fratelli, let me write down Aaron Rye. Just give me one second. Rye. Okay. Uh, then we have these guys in the 190s. Chad Ramey, Harry Higgs. Snedeker played decent last week. Pat Perez. Perez is another one. Uh, he hasn't played yet this year. I don't think. But he... Uh, he he really should be a guy that plays a course like this well, though. Uh, has he, did he play the Sony last year? Let's see. His last event was 11-14. He's lost strokes in, in his last four rounds. Granted, there were two, three, and four months ago, but... Last year he came in 32nd, he gained 5 strokes putting, didn't hit the ball well, didn't hit the ball well off the tee, gained a little bit in approach. Maybe not for me, but uh, 190 to 1, I mean, it can't hurt. Molinari's 190 to 1, I like Francesco, I mean, he had a nice little California swing last year. Uh, I think he played well at the, um, what was it, I think it was Torrey Pines at the Farmers Insurance for Patrick Reed one, which I think is next week if I'm not mistaken. 
But he's 190 to 1, so I can get behind that too. And for long shots, there's a lot of guys down here, man. Uh, man, I I don't really have any interest in in any of these guys, to be honest. Down here, I mean, Doc Redman's four hundred thirty to one. I mean, I mean, this time last year, I mean, he was like a forty to one guy at tournaments like this because he was up there at the Farmers, he was up there at the Sony, not up there in terms of his finishing score, in terms of his his odds, which are ludicrous. But nonetheless, he was there a year ago, and now you get him at four thirty. And now we're getting down here. Let's see. Well, Donald played well last week. He's not going to win, obviously, but. Let's see, back in these 200s, eh, Hank Leviota, he missed the cut at minus four. That's pretty much it for me, for uh, betting. I mean, I'm not a big fan of this tournament, just these three courses. I'm really more pumped for what's coming up down the road. Torrey Pines, Arnold Palmer, Waste Management, etc., etc. Those are, that's kind of where I'm looking forward to. After this tournament, it kind of picks up a little more. But regardless, in terms of bets, Cantley is a maybe. If I don't take Cantley, it's probably going to be Fino or M. In that order, we'll say I could flip on that. But right now, those are the three from that range. Uh, Patrick Reed at 34 is a strong consideration. So, yeah, that's... Per- so, if I had a gun in my head, I'm probably going to go Reed, Bizade and Hoot, Reevy, Knox, Harmon, and then take a couple of these long shots like Rye, and um, Molinari. For top 10s, I like Gary Woodland. These are all going to be finalized tonight or tomorrow when I send out my thing on Twitter. I like Woodland for a top 10 or a top 20. I like Tringali, even though his odds will be way shorter for one of those, but I like Tringali. Uh, let's see. And these 160s and 190s, like an Aaron Rye, I would just throw a top 10 on him. Throw a top 20 on them because are they going to win? Probably not, but they have a very good chance of playing well here. And, I mean, what's really the difference at Rye at 160 to, I don't know, Hayden Buckley at 100 or or Cameron Champ at 100? Like, what's the difference? So those are probably going to be top 10s and top 20s with Rye. Molinari, I don't know because Molinari can crap out. and he We really have no real rounds from him recently. So Rye, I kind of like more of his what he was doing in the swing season. So Rye is probably going to be a top 10 to top 20. Christian Kirk is probably going to be a top 10 bet and potentially a winner too. Let me write him down here so I don't forget. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably the range for me um, in terms of those top 10. Anyone below 100 is probably going to get those bets too and a small bet on the win just in case they, they get there because we've seen guys at these odds win this tournament numerous times in the past, you know, 10, 12 years. All right, let's take a quick peek at DraftKings. We're already at 35 minutes. Um, so, Rom, you got to think, comes with some level of ownership here. Um, just because he's John Rom in this field, you got to think he gets over 20. Let me see if this uh, this Fantasy National has anything right now. Let's see. We got, got a favorite six guys. What the fuck is that all about? Okay, um, let's just favorite. Henry Reeby, Knox, Glover, Gooch is fifth in my model for it, and Duffner sixth. Jesus. Don't even tell me that. I don't want to bet him. Okay. Ownership projection. Let's see if they got anything up here for this tournament. They do. And they have Rama 22. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. They have Canley and Rama as the two highest owned guys. So maybe Canley is being talked about because he's coming in at 22.8, the highest owned guy so far. All the guys over over 16, over 15 are Canley, Rom at 22.8 and 22. M at 18.5. People are not shying away from answer, apparently. He's coming in at 18. 
Gooch, 16 and a half. Connor is 15 and a half. And wow, Russell Knox is coming in at 13. Shit, I did not think that was going to happen. But this is my first look, so that's interesting. Knox is probably not going to be a play in DraftKings. So you got Rom, Cantley, Scheffler, and Fino in the 10Ks. Hmm. Where's Fino? Yeah, no one's playing Fino. Fino's 10%. Scheffler is... Man, Scheffler's way down the board here, man. Nobody's going... I must be too far down here. I'm in the threes. I must have missed him. Yeah, that's not right. He's got to be up here more. Where's Scotty? Come on, Scotty. Where are you at? Oh, he's 12 and a half. I missed him. He's up here. He's like the 10 highest on guy. So all these guys in the 10s are coming with something. Finau's the lowest on. And I like Finau at this court. So Finau is, is probably going to be a play for me. I mean, just start. I'm just writing down some of these things because I'm doing my first look with you guys as well. So for Finau, I'm going to go with him in the 10Ks. That's probably my play in the 10Ks. I struggle to go to Cantlay and Rom. I prefer Cantlay, even though he's a slightly higher own, but I don't want to play anyone at these prices in a field, in a tournament traditionally where these top guys don't win. So I'm, I might just roll with Fino in almost all my lineups because that's a great ownership price for someone who can play well here and has played well here. Uh, let's see. So we go back to the board. We go to the 9Ks. M, Gooch, Power, Connors, Wolf, Answer, Zalatoris, Henley. My personal opinion, no one's going to play Henley. Uh, he's 12%. Okay, fine. Uh, Bizaynot's popular too. But in this range, in the 9Ks, all these 9K guys are popular. M, Answer, Gooch, and Connors are all above 15%. M almost gets to 20. Answer almost gets to 20. So they're very popular, the 9K range. So you're going to, so that right, there's going to be a lot of Rom, Gooch, Cantlay, Connors. Rom, Connors, Cantlay, Power. You know, Rom, Answer. It's going to be a lot of that to start, which means the 8K range is probably where you're going to be able to find your best value. 9K range, the only guy I look to is Zalatoris because really I don't see his name on this page. So that makes me like him. He's 9% owned. Is he the lowest owned 9K guy? I think he is. Yeah, he's the lowest owned 9K guy by almost 3%. Grandies aren't exact, but I mean, these first couple weeks, they've definitely been good to me, these ownership projections. So, yeah, he's coming in at 9. I like Zalatoris. I wouldn't mind a Finau Zalatoris. That leverages the field of both guys. I mean, can really play well here. I like that a lot. Henley's interesting. He's only coming in at 12%. Still a little much, but, um, yeah, I, I, I like Russell Henley at 9. Then this 8K Renato is probably where you're going to find your value if that's the case, where you're getting the Rom Canley ownership and then the big 9K ownership. You're probably going to have them skipping the 8s or at least the mid to high 8s and going into this you know, 7K range where the Kirks is, the Knox is, the Hadwins, the Harmons, all these guys are. The Woodlands, the Reeves, etc., etc. So 8K range, you're going to get Patrick Reed, low-owned. You're going to get Bezayden Hout. Uh, he's got a little bit of steam. He's actually at 12.5. He's, he's, him and Jonathan Vegas are by far the highest-owned 8K guys right now. Uh, you're getting Tringali at 7, Reed at 5, Rose at 6, Fowler at 7, Norn at 3, Kim at only 8, which is very interesting. A guy who you know plays well here, he's only coming at 8%. He can crap all your lineups out, but he's coming in very low-owned. And Ortiz at 4, which is also interesting. So the 8K range, um, let me see, 9K, Zal, 8K uh, for some leverage here, man. There's some nice spots here. I like Tringali. I like Reed. I like him. And I like Ortiz. 
Bizadenhout is is interesting. I like Bizadenhout a lot. He's coming in with relatively. He's definitely the highest owned guy of the AKs. Him and uh, him in Vegas. But I mean, twelve percent is not bad. If you join a smaller field, you're probably gonna approach closer to twenty twenty five. Which, I mean, a hundred man field, two hundred man field, five hundred man field isn't the worst thing in the world. But yeah, those are the guys I like in terms of some leverage plays. I like that Tringali, Kim, Ortiz, Reed. Reed's a little bit more risky, but I mean. I wouldn't mind going there. You're going to get a lot of... Le- uh, uh, listen, a a Fino, Tringali, Kim start is probably not going to be very popular. And there's some win equity there with Fino, and Kim's already won this tournament before, and Tringali's been in a lot of tournaments, much more important than this one. So I don't mind a start like that. All right, let's go to the 7K range right now. Uh, this is where you're going to probably see a little bit more steam here. 7K, Hadwin's at 12%. Harmon's only at 7 Knox at 13 That's a little high. I was just saying how I like Knox, but he's 13 and Kirk is 6 I'm just going to play Christian Kirk. That simple. Cameron Champ's 2%. I just don't think he's going to play well. I just don't think he fits when Bombers can win here. But too many putts to be made. I'm not, I'm not getting there with Cameron Champ. Woodland's 7 That's a little, like, see... You have Woodland at 7, Revy at 5, and the 77, and then you have Kirk and Knox at 78. I would just play Kirk and Revy at the lower ownership and leave Woodland and Knox on the table. Just that simple. I think they're all similar plays. I would You're getting Kirk at half the ownership, and you're getting a 3% discount on Revy. I'll just play those guys. Keep scrolling through. Todd's at less than 2%. I mean, his ball striking was horrible last week, but... I don't know, man. It's another one of these courses that Todd should play well at, so I, I don't mind... Playing him at less than 2%. Varner's coming in at 10%. He's the another double-digit guy in the sevens, which I don't really love. Glover's only coming in at uh, 7.8%. He's like fourth in my model, I think. Where is Glover? Uh, I got to reload this. I hit, a, hit the wrong button. Whatever, that'll load in a sec. Uh, I like Glover, though. I think he's fourth in my model. So I'll just go with that, and that's, a, that's another great play. I like Lucas Glover in the sevens. So what did I say? Kirk, Reeve, and Glover. Those are all interesting plays. That's like the mid-seven range. But then you have like Grillo and Long at 5 and 4%. Michael Thompson's coming at 11. Okay, now people are on to the guy. So, I mean, he's going to be popular. Probably won't get there then. You have Gim, Munoz, Lanto, KH Lee. Streelman's interesting at 4%. I can always get behind him. Uh, what else is out here in these 7K range? Hayden Buckley's 10%. I'm not, I'm not playing that. Troy Merritt's interesting at 4%. KH Lee, no thank you. Steele, no. Hickok, no. Landry, Smalley, Putnam, Hoagie. Aaron Rye is 5%, so that's not bad. I can get behind Aaron Rye this week at 7,100 and save some money. Only 5%. I can do that. Adam Svensson's coming in at 11%. That, to me, is just insane. I- I'm not playing that. Molinari's coming in at 3 I can get behind that, maybe. I mean, the guy, the guy like Molinari, even Patrick Reed to a certain extent, is that... Like, they're either going to be there on Sunday or, like, they can just miss the cut. And that goes for Woodland, too, which, which scares me more with these DraftKings guys because, like, you know, Molinari can just shoot five over and it's over for him. He's done. And I think there's enough leverage plays where you don't have to take that risk, at least at first glance, it looks like. Like, I'd rather go down and play Norlander at 4% than Molinari at 3 Like, he's $100 cheaper, 1% extra ownership, boo-hoo, I'll play him. Um, let me see what else we got here. Now we go into the 6K range. Davis Riley's coming in at 7%. Like, I'm never playing the 6K chalk. 
So Swafford's at seven, Riley's at seven. Uh, anyone else? And then everyone else is like 1%, 2%. This is kind of just preference here. Pat Perez is 6,400. And I get behind that. Ryan Moore is 6,500. Stewart is 6,600. He has like one bad week, and now we're just done. I and mean, the guy had a nice little stretch last year. Duffner, who did come up in my uh, in my model, I think he would have been in fourth. Actually, loaded. Let me see. Duffner came in sixth, actually. Glover was fourth. Duffner's sixth. Duffner's coming in at very low ownership. He's coming in at 4%. And I hate playing Jason friggin' Duffner. But he's 4%. He's $6,600. And he can really open up a lot of different things. So, Duffner's interesting in the sixth case. Um, let me see. So, we have Duffner. And going through Stewart's interesting. Wesley Bryant, no thank you. Nick Taylor, kind of. Straka's another one. I, I kind of always like Straka, though. Uh, Fertelli. I mean, Fertelli's probably better than the guys in this ring that they place him with. Like, they put him with Harry Higgs and Scott Stallings and Chad Ramey and Davis Riley and Zach Johnson and Brent Snedeker and all these different guys, and he's probably a cut above them. Like, we've seen him play well at the Masters. We've seen him be in a, in, a, in a decent amount of tournaments these last year or two. I mean, he's he's played well, and, I mean, he, he can get really hot, too, and he's a pretty good putter. So, Fertelli at 1% at 6,800. I know it's his first tournament so far, at least in America. I'm not sure if he's played in Europe or something. I have no idea. But um, I really don't pay attention to what goes on in Europe. But, uh, yeah, I, I like I like Fratelli, too. So, yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll cut it here in terms of going through the draft. Can just a, just a little first look like we did the last couple of weeks. But uh, we'll start getting more intense with the DraftKings as, uh, as we get closer to the actual, you know, really, really good tournaments. These first three are kind of whatever. So yeah, I like the I like Finau in the ten Ks. I like Zalatoris in the nine Ks. This is in terms of leverage. Like it's not that I think the rest of them are gonna play bad, but I mean, it looks like you're gonna get some nice leverage here. I like that Finau Zalatoris Kim start. Maybe Ortiz too. You can sub him in. But the eight Ks is where I like the Tringali Reed. Even though Pizzi not really isn't any leverage, but I like him. And then Ortiz and Kim down below. You can go to Fowler eighty five too. I mean that's another good one. Just as I'm going through seven Ks, I like Rye Kirk, Reeve, and Glover. Well, well, below what you need for ownership. It, it's it's fine numbers. I mean, the ownership's going to Knox and Woodland, and you can just play Kirk and Reavy or Harmon, and and these guys have just as good a chance and probably fit the course better than what Knox and Woodland are going to give you. I mean, Knox I really like, but I mean Kirk and Reavy versus Knox and Woodland. I mean, that's not a bad two for two right there when you're getting that discount on ownership and probably just as good a chance to play really well here. So those are my seven Ks. And Fratelli and Duffner are also. Also just some guys in the CISK range. The CISK, really, I mean, these guys are all coin flips. There's a bunch of guys you can play. It's kind of your preference. And also Aaron Ride, 7100 I, I do like that price. And then for bets, it looks like we're going to go. Uh, for now, I'll just say locked in is Bezade and Hout. Um, Knox, Harmon. And then Ryan Molinari later in the board. It's a small card in terms of actual money invested, but five guys. And then the look is either going to be take Cantlay and call it a day or take M slash Finau plus Reed. That's probably where I'm looking right now. All right, that's going to be it. Good luck this week. Next week we get a much better tournament, so let's try and make some money and bring it into Tory Pines. See ya.